Welcome to the Cross Council Podcast, where we believe that negative emotions should not run your life. Join Mary Carlton and Steve Freitag as they share the keys they've learned from over 20 years of helping people find genuine freedom and live a more meaningful life through the truth, love, and healing of Jesus. Today, we're going to be talking about a very, very special subject. Steve, do you want to kick us off? I'm just, I'm, I'm struck by how we uh, are paralyzed by our hopelessness at times where we think that we're um, uh, crippled or we're um, inadequate because of our history. Maybe the, the kind of family we grew up in or some of the experiences that we've had, and we already believe that our destiny is uh, less than what God has for us. And that we, uh, we just have to settle. And that's just been on my heart. People that just think this is just the way it is. This is as good as it gets. And, and for those of us who, who claim to be followers of Jesus, that's especially painful for me to, uh, to watch. And I think that the Lord has so much for us as we walk alongside him in the kingdom and what he wants to develop inside of us and to bring us hope. I realize that hope's not a strategy, but I think it's a, it's something that can help pull us along. So I just wanted to have a discussion about that and how that is, um, how we've seen that in the ministry. And I know Sean, that you said when we were talking earlier, how, uh, as we just start, started to bring the subject up that, that kind of touched your heart too. Yeah, totally, man. Um, for me, I don't know that I would have said this um, even like a, until like recently um, that I, I realized growing up that uh, <laughs> I maybe because nobody like sat down to explain it to me. It, it just kind of seemed growing up in church that all of the hope was for after, you know? And there is that, right? Because it's like you're stepping into infinity and like, how do you describe that? Right. Um, but at the same time, it was like, all right, so does that mean death is my savior? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is that, is that the only time that things get better? Cause I like, I, I remember distinctly um, this, this period of life where we we're just like, this sucks. Everything sucks. Like my dad was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy um, and his health was just getting worse. Uh, things at school sucked. No girls liked me. I had a chili bowl haircut. Life wasn't good. And it was just like, it was like, man, what's, what's happening. And, um, it, you know, and, and that's what it kind of came back to like, Oh, it'll, it'll be good later on. But it, it didn't give me hope to change now and give me the skills like I didn't even think I could. I was good enough to learn the skills to change my environment. Now, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What happens is your feelings define you, right? Your feelings in that moment are are what you think define you. I, as you were talking, Steve, I was thinking about how many times um, could have you told a person, or has someone told you? wow, you're really amazing at that. And yet the person never sees it or wow, you know, I really, you're, you're, I really like the way you handle that. The person doesn't see it. It's so much easier for someone who's outside your head to see the truth about who you are, but in your head, 
you believe other things about yourself. And those things that you believe that are negative, they actually hinder you from being able to go forward in your life. And I'm specifically thinking about, I've been around a lot of kids recently, young people, you know, teenagers and college age kids, and, and they're so defeated and their, their view of themselves is so limited. And they'll make comments about themselves like, you know, no, I, I would never be comfortable doing that, even though they really admire people who do that, right? And so an outsider who doesn't have those thoughts and old tapes in their head can look at that person and say, you're totally gifted at that. You, you would be great at that. And so that that's how what we think in our heads actually cripples us from being who we really are, that other people can see that we can't see. And at Cross Council, that's what we do is we focus on those old tapes and help people to get free of those so that who they really are can go forward in their life, that, that can they can be expressed and their destiny can be achieved. Yeah, completely. And I think about um, cause it's, it's a hopelessness of like, can it get any better than this? Mm-hmm. Right. Or, um, is there, is there any opportunity to expand past those or is thing, or is everything just going to get worse? Right. And, um, I think about, uh, like, if you think about the people that you really like respect, whether it's like in business or maybe, uh, somebody you grew up with or somebody that really, you know, touched your heart when you take a look at them and you you really get serious with yourself and you're like, okay, what is it about them that resonated with you? What is it about them that you really connect with? It's normally an internal state of being that they're, that they've, that they are. And it's, it's not necessarily like how much money they made, what car they drive or anything like that. They're looking at it from a different standpoint, a different belief about life, about everything around them. I remember people that I admired when I was a kid generally were the ones that had confidence, right? Who weren't afraid to fail and they do goofy things or make mistakes in front of other people. And they were totally good with it. Yeah, I would have been horrified if that would have been me that made that mistake or did something goofy because of my internal thoughts about myself and, and the shame that was there. So, yeah, I admired those people who had confidence and were at peace with life and could just go with the flow of what happened. And, and they weren't crippled like I was. Yeah. I wanted to be them. <laughs> yeah. I think that word admiration is really key because I think there were people in my life as I was growing up that were funny, but they were really sarcastic. Mm. And so like, there were times where it was kind of fun to be around them because they could they could they could make you laugh, but it wasn't an admiration thing. So like, I, I hear what you're saying, Mary. What is that? What is that difference? Right? Because I think a lot of the uh, the critical spirit that some of us have that comes out of this deep seated anger and frustration with ourselves, and so we project that on the world. Mm-hmm. The idea, like, I, I love the chosen. I, I love the character of Jesus in the chosen. And there's there's nothing cynical about the character of Jesus in the in the chosen. He's playful, mm-hmm. but he's not cynical. Mm-hmm. And there's this hope and admiration is such a great word. Like, that's what inspires us. 
right? But it's out of our fears and insecurities, it's so much easier just to fall back on that because I know I know my uh, tendency, especially in the past, to just fall back on uh, beating myself up. Because mm-hmm. I knew that if I, beat, if I beat myself up before you did, then you'd leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But that, that idea that, we're called to something better. We're called to this hope. We're called to this new life. And uh, I think a big part of the problem in the church is the the message that we get that, okay, pray this prayer, you get your ticket to heaven and you're good. And then we're left floundering. Like, what does it really mean to live an authentic, genuine life as a follower of Jesus? There's so much more to it than, than just, I pray this prayer, check this box. And it leaves us wandering, right? Purposeless. Like what you said, Sean, it's kind of this idea that, okay, uh, life comes with death, right? That's that, that's when things get really good. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be and later. Just, yeah. De- death is my, my savior, not Jesus. Yeah. By, <laughs> by, by, yeah, exactly. There is a lot of despair right now. Yeah. There's a lot of despair and hopelessness and fear. And really, I see a lot of young people that, that don't know what to do to go forward in their life. And it isn't because they don't know. It's because they're crippled by emotions. They, they feel hopeless. They feel afraid. They, they're, they see all this like marriage is falling apart. Okay, well, I'm not going to do that. So they're crippled in their relationships. Or they see all the um, businesses that are failing or, or financial hardships that people are having. So there there's fear and hopelessness around, well, what does it really matter? It doesn't matter what I do. I'm not going to be successful. Look what the world's like, you know, and they're stuck. They're really stuck. And, and it's, it's very, really for me, it's sad. It makes me grieve because there's a light inside of us that can pierce through any darkness. But when when that darkness, you believe it, you embrace it, and and you 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 don't know there's a way out, then you're going to be stuck in that darkness and you're and you're not going to be able to move forward. And I see that a lot with young people. And it, it's just very sad because they they have so much potential, just like all of us do. When Christ is in us, there's nothing we can't do. We have to press through what the culture and the environment around us is saying and bombarding us with to what's the truth and live out of that truth instead of what the environment is creating. Yeah. And uh, there's something that you touched on uh, earlier where it's, I guess, Mary, can you talk a little bit of how like our beliefs and like those internal blocks that we think are keeping us safe that aren't (laughs) how that correlates into ultimately like our destiny like we're where we're headed sure so if i think deep down that i'm not good enough and i believe that because every time i go out and i do whatever i do at my job or at school or with my friends Um, I read the signals from those people that they'd rather be with somebody else or, or I don't get invited to something or whatever, whatever the rejection that happens to me in my life reinforces that 
that deeply held belief that I have that I'm just not good enough. And so think about it. If you believe that I'm not good enough, that colors everything that you you see in your life. And so you're not going to pursue maybe passions that are in your heart that you want to do because when you think about doing those things, you just feel helpless or hopeless because I'm not good enough anyway. So, you know, somebody else can do that. I can never do that. And so they might pick a career that's um, way beneath their destiny just to try to play it safe so they don't have to feel rejection and failure. So, yeah, they're crippled because of that belief. Does that make sense? I think Henry Ford Ford said uh, those who don't fail work for those of us who do right along those lines i think that just nails it like and steve jobs was asked a question uh boy this is like 30 years ago or so it was about his operating system and this guy was very cynical when he asked this question um because jobs had his failures and, and this guy was very very snarky and uh steve jobs basically said yeah we've we've made some We've made some mistakes, but that's because we've made some decisions. And at least we're making decisions and moving forward. I think that's wow. That's grace, right? Like knowing the security that we have in Jesus to be able to take risk and be willing to make mistakes. I mean, as long as we're not doing that out of you know, some moral, you know, it's, I'm going to try this. It's immoral, but, but just taking chances in life. And not being reckless, but but having our faith stretched like that, knowing that when we deeply know that he is with us, because I think that gets even deeper to the I'm not good enough, because there's a lot of things I'm not good mm-hmm. enough at, but it's the inherently not good enough. And, right. and when we know that he's with us and that he loves us, that gives us a, a deeper capacity to to take those chances and those risks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's good. I, th- I think a really important thing um too is like even looking you can look at the life of adam you can look at the life of the second adam jesus and uh <laughs> it's amazing you know because he was a carpenter right and nowhere in any of the gospels is anybody like at the sermon on the mount being like hey that's my door guy what's he doing up there like like he wasn't like he wasn't like a world famous Da Vinci like carpenter. You know what I mean? I, you know, I might get some stones thrown at me, not by y'all, but like, did he ever get his math wrong when when cutting a door? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you know, like he's like, he's, like I can just imagine him like was the dad like saw on the door and stuff, and then it's like, oh crap, it's short. <laughs> You know, and um, but that's not sinning. Like getting your math wrong isn't a sin, right? But it's 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 our like this is what I'm getting from y'all. Like it's it's our belief that's tied to our inherent worthiness in our actions mm-hmm. and the quality of our actions or the results of those actions. That's the sin. Mm-hmm. When we when we like instead of him being like you know getting his math wrong, he didn't go like. Oh, I'm just worthless. I'm the worst. I'm just not going to, I'm just going to do something else. You know, like you didn't have that. 
therefore he didn't sin. Mm-hmm. You can get your math wrong. Right. It's, it's okay. Right. It's, go back to what Jesus said about the guy who just buried the one talent. Right. It's like, oh, I know that you're, you know, harsh, harsh, you harsh man. I want to make sure that I held on to this thing. Yeah. And Jesus says, that guy's the loser. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you know, he's like the safest, right? Right. I, I remember years and years ago, um, I took a job in training. I actually was the training director for a large bank in Dallas and uh, hated speaking in front of people. Absolutely hated it. So for them to hire me for that job just blew me away. But I remember reading a quote in, in Toastmasters that they, they say that when you stand up to speak, you're instantly an expert until you open your mouth, right? People, when you stand up to speak, they just assume that you know what you're talking about. They just assume that you're an authority. But then what you say, you know, can change their opinion, of course. But for me, that was such a paradigm shift because I believed the minute I stood up, everyone knew I was going to fail. Right? It was completely different than what my paradigm was. And so, yes, I needed to get free of my lie-based thinking that I had that made me feel so afraid to stand up and talk. But that, just that statement helped for me to gain a different perspective that, wow, as long as I know what I'm talking about, these people already think I'm an expert. So, you know, be good at what I do so that, so that they don't have any reason to think differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. How, wait, how long did you do training as a training director? I was a training director for five years. Man. Created programs, met with managers to determine what their people needed to move forward, which is really amazing because I wasn't even a Christian back then. I didn't have any idea that God was preparing me for what we do now, right? Wow. Just incredible because, you know, we speak every time we get the opportunity to large groups of people or small groups, help them to move forward in their lives, determine, kind of um, assess, you know, what is it that's keeping them stuck and then helping them get free of that. It was the same then. It was just in it with a different focus. And so, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I'm, you can always like guess, right? But if you, if you hadn't read that Toastmasters piece that changed your perspective, because that's, that's what we do, right? It's like mm-hmm. allowing, allowing a change of perspective. How do you think that job would have gone? Like, what do you think the trajectory would have been if you had kept that same label of I'm not an expert everybody knows I'm a did did you say fraud everybody knows I'm a failure a failure there you go yeah 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 I probably would have failed right because I would have had to battle those emotions which I already did anyway every time but at least I could hang on to the perception okay you know they they're not thinking about me the way I'm thinking about me so just push past that You know, if I would have just let those my own thinking and emotions of shame and worthlessness, you know, rule the day, I would have totally failed, probably. 
you know, every time I got up, I probably would have stammered and stuttered and, and been, you know, you don't want to listen. It's actually painful to listen to someone who is so afraid to say anything because they have so much shame. So, yeah, I probably would have failed at that. But instead, I just kept getting better and better because as I spoke, I saw that people were responding to what I was saying and I started getting confidence. So, yeah, I, I did very well at that job, which is amazing to me that I thought that was enough at the time. But then after I met Jesus and he actually got me free of that struggle with those emotions, that's freedom. Then you can go beyond just performing in the moment, um, struggling with those emotions and overcoming them. Then you can actually live from a heart that's free. You have peace and the things that are in you that need to flow out, flow out. There isn't that gatekeeper of the brain you know, that's constantly telling you what you can't do or can do, you know, so much less effort now being free to speak in front of people and to actually be able to sense what God is saying and then say it. <laughs> the world really gets to the heart of, Yeah, that really gets to the heart of our message. It's like, even if we were to put it in terms of left brain, right brain, the, the logical informational left brain versus the experiential right brain. Boy, what a difference it made for your left brain to just go, oh, okay, I need to stand up here and have some confidence and how that that certainly did help you mm -hmm. performed better. But looking back, you can realize it was like it was, um, yeah, the, the dam <laughs> was always about ready to break, mm -hmm. right? And that yeah. it really even, is. I'm sorry, keep going. I think about the Tower of Babel, right? Where God looks at them and goes, wow, look at what they're able to accomplish on their mm -hmm. own. But it's still ain't what I'm looking for. It mm -hmm. still isn't what the best that I have for you. So mm -hmm. to acknowledge, right? There are people that are well, uh, highly accomplished people, mm -hmm. but, but the stuff that's underneath the surface, it can get better. Yeah. yeah, because your heart is where you live life. It's where life really happens. And so um, when you're just performing, your heart's on lockdown. That, that's the way it was for me. I could perform and perform well, but my heart was locked down. You weren't going to see any genuine emotions because I had a cap on that, you know, and so genuine care and concern for other people. That never happened because I was always focused on the struggle inside of me and managing it. So it. It just wasn't freedom. And, and my heart, you know, when your heart's on lockdown, you're not going to live your de destiny, right? Because you can't even feel the passions coming out of you. It's your heart shut down and numb. And that's the way I was for most of my life. So I know people can relate to that because there's a lot of that going on right now in the world, right? Things are so overwhelming and hopeless and helpless and scary you know, just lock down, lock down your heart and keep going. And the, one of the saddest things for me is that it's almost virtuous to lock mm -hmm. down and just be safe and protect. It's seen as mm -hmm. virtuous, but there is a, there is a cost. I don't, I don't think our culture is going to see that for a while, but maybe at some degree we have, but I think there is a cost for that lockdown of our hearts and self-protection. Mm -hmm. 
but it's sure there are consequences to that. Yeah. And safety, keeping yourself safe. What kind of life is that? Right. You know, being safe all the time, never straying outside the line, never doing anything, you know, that could be the slightest bit risky, you know, man, it's, it's just not that much fun. It's death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's a, there's a verse that talks about, there's a way that seems right. That ultimately leads in death. You know, mm-hmm. and I think for a lot of people, it's that lockdown of the heart. That's that's one of those ways. It's like this is just safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't let myself feel. They'll think I'm stupid. Yeah, I'm a failure. <laughs> if I, but if I can just get through this until I die and then get to Jesus. <laughs> but there's right. a whole there's a whole wellspring of life. You know, Jesus said I came to bring life. What is that? Right. As long as our life is focused on ourself, which is what happens when our hearts lock down, um, we're never going to flow with the anointing of the Holy Spirit like we want to have happen or with the passions that God has put in us that our heart is longing to let out. We really are. And we know it deep down that we're longing to be different. But as long as we're in that lockdown phase, Really, those things don't come forward. And uh, it's like, um, I'm probably going to totally misquote this, but I remember reading a quote once once about um, the in the cemetery is all the books that were never written, all the speeches that were never said, you know, all of the creations that were never created. So I don't want that for my life. And it's a lot more fun living the life that God wants us to have than being on lockdown and performing and, and living a life that's safe and risk-free um, because we're afraid of rejection. This has been the Cross Council Podcast. If any of this has resonated with you or helped you, please leave us a comment and a review and don't forget to follow for more great content. We'll see you next time.